We are about to take it like a Mandalorian for the seventh time. It's chapter 15. Easily my favorite show. And boy, Mr. Davis, the show for me just seems to be getting better and better. And the fact that this recent episode didn't even have Yo Dito and it's still spectacular says something about the show, doesn't it? I know. I mean, everyone on screen seemed to miss the little green guy, as uh, as Bill Burr's character Miggs uh, said. But uh, yeah, this episode was actually so action-packed and so uh, tension-packed and full of good stuff that... Uh, yeah, by the end of it, we're like, hey, no Yodito. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it actually has somebody post in the Patreon group saying that, um, you know, they didn't like the episode because it had no Yodito. But the thing is, I think that was perfect because if you're going to do an episode without Yodito, this is the one because what it did was it created that disconnect with Yodito from not only Mando, but also us as viewers. Now we miss him just as much as Mando does. Very good point, Dando. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good lead into um, the very final episode, uh, which uh, will be, well, I'm on sort of bated breath. We're recording this on the Friday night. It's like, you know, it's been a shitstorm here at the Dando household. It's now 9.20 on Friday night. The, the, the finale is out. I can't wait to watch it. But I thought in my mind, I don't want to... Watch the finale before we record this review because it will sort of ruin the the predictions and the what to expect and that kind of thing. So I thought, all right, I'll message Guy and I'll say, mate, do you have 20 minutes spare for us to do this review so I can go smash out this finale because I cannot wait. And you replied so quickly that I missed your first message. So I'm very thankful <laughs> for that. But um, yes, we're not going to be around here for too long because I need to go watch that finale. But um, yeah, so as, as you said, the finale is out now. It's just um, the anticipation is just building. I cannot wait. Absolutely. Yes. So let's uh, let's hurry through the Believer, Chapter Fifteen, uh, Season Two, Episode Seven of the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. Look, a lot of good stuff in this one. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think you have had uh, good guys and bad guys fighting on the top of moving vehicles ever since they invented the movie camera. I'm pretty sure they were doing that shit with stagecoaches and old timey trains, and now they're doing it on. Um, yeah, transporters full of some very uh, volatile explosive material. Uh, that was just great fun stuff. I'm always, and plus, I'm always a fan of a scene or a sequence that involves a character who, uh, you know, clearly has some uh, some demons in their past. Uh, you know, a bit of a a bit of a tortured history, and they come face to face with the person who might be responsible for that, and just. Let's them have it in multiple ways, and yeah, we got a, a a really good example of that type of scene in this episode as well, Dando. Yeah, this was the it was the Migs Mayfield show, wasn't it? It was a very Migs heavy episode, and um, look, I've got to admit, when um, I'm not you know a huge fan of say Bill Burr the comedian, I haven't seen any of his like Netflix specials. I don't listen to his podcast, but um, I remember Duke seeing. Him, Hmm? The dude can act, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I remember seeing him on Chappelle's show and um, and a few other sort of bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, when I when I heard that he was joining the cast of this, I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like a bit of a cheap cash. And I'd forgotten that he was on <laughs> that he was on Breaking Bad and a few other things like that. Uh, but oh, he's he's given great flavour to the episodes he's been in until this one, and um, yeah, showed real sort of a. Uh, real weight and uh, screen presence in, in this episode in particular. I, I really liked his work. Well, this episode is called The Believer. And I got halfway through the episode and I sort of thought, I don't know what this title is implying, but then it sort of dawned on me that, you know, it's all about everyone, each character's different beliefs. So mostly Mando mm. and how, you know, it's, it's his belief that, you know, as a Mandalorian, he shouldn't be taking his mask off in front of people. But the, it, what this episode shows is the lengths he's willing to go to and sacrifice his beliefs in order to save Grogu. I'm going to admit, it was, it, 
I wasn't shocked when he took the mask off, but still, they've done such a good job of keeping that mask on him that they only have him take it off so sparingly that it's such a payoff when he does, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. And plus, I think it showed uh, some some really good acting by Pedro Pascal as well. Mm -hmm. You can tell how uncomfortable he was having the helmet off. Uh, but he to talk. Yeah, and he and yeah, sort of interact with people without it. You know, he's a very cool customer when he's uh, you know behind the basket armor, but when he's got his helmet off and showing his face to the world. He's kind of like, I, I love that Pascal didn't overplay and make him all sort of sweaty and twitchy, anything like that. But there's yeah. just a general feeling of discomfort. Um, what I, two things that I did like though, the last time we saw Mando with his helmet off, he had a very bad case of helmet head. This time around, yeah, he looked like, oh, okay. Yeah, they've, I think Petro Pascal clearly said to the producers and the directors like, if I'm taking the helmet off again, I'm not going to look as sweaty and disheveled as last time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, he's got his neat haircut. Plus, I read some article that pointed this out. You know, if Mando's not taking his helmet off, how does he have like a very neat moustache? <laughs> oh, well, no, he, he can take it off, just not in front of people. Okay, then fine. So, um, so at the end of the day, he's taking it off and giving himself a bit of a trim and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the dude's got style. I mean, if you, <laughs> you, you, you don't you don't want to have a, a big bush under that um, under that mask, do you? It'd be so itchy, well, unpleasant. Yeah. Yes, no one's a no one's a fan of the big bush. Uh. <laughs> Bill Burr, he um he really surprised me. Like even as you said when he, he was uh when he was talking to the... Who was the, the general's name? I can't quite remember his name. I want to but, say or- Oren Hess or... Yeah, something along those lines. They, they just have, have some wacky names in the Star Wars universe. It's like they just make up sounds and just to, to decide the new names. But when he was sitting there and listening to him talk about... You can see Bill Burr was stirring. He's like, you can see where it was going. The, the, mm. the general was implying that those lives were lost, but it doesn't really matter. It was for the greater good, for the, for the, for the empire. And Bill Burr's just sitting there stirring. You're like... Oh no! This is this is not going to end well. This is you, just, you, you can see that something was about to erupt, but it was just so satisfying. Particularly when uh, when he shot the guy dead, I was like, "Oh well, this guy's not getting out alive." But they somehow managed to, to get out alive, and I'm glad that he did because that the end there with Cara Dune sort of finally you know, not coming to her senses, but sort of realizing, okay, it, it sometimes people do deserve a second chance. There, he he did some bad things, but. Mm. And, uh, he did bad things, but did, is Bill Burr the character? Is Mix? Is he a bad person? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's uh, he's carrying a fair chip on his shoulder and, you know, he's probably had some bad acquaintances. But uh, I think, you know, when it comes right down to it, I mean, look, the fact that he said, did he did he ask, how's the little green guy or where's the little green guy? When he, yeah, when, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah where, where so, is he? Yeah, because he had him in his pocket last time, yeah, or in the <laughs> ship, yeah. Uh, yeah, and even, you know, when he's on the, um, on the transport with Mando and sort of talking about... Uh, you know his the, beliefs. Yeah, his beliefs and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've got I've written down here. Ooh, Burr's making some good points. <laughs> mm. What he does point out is how that what what are they? They're not, they're not called the resistance in this, are they? What are they now? They're the um the New Republic, the, the New, New Republic. Republic, and the Empire. To to the locals on the planet, they're actually not that much different. And oh, that's what this episode yeah. sort of pointed out. Like when they arrived and all the stormtroopers were applauding them, it's like this is a side of the stormtroopers we've never seen before. They've almost like humanized the Empire. Because in the original trilogy, they were just men in suits running around, terrible at shooting, mm. right? They're, they're just targets. But now they've humanized them. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Is there good and evil or is it just evil and less evil? Yeah, I think that's uh, something this show's done really, really well. 
actually. I mean, um, to the point where I never thought I'd be glad to hear, you know, the sound of a, of a TIE fighter coming in, but uh, they came nah, in to rescue. Kick-ass was that moment. Yeah, that was great. They came in to rescue, uh, yeah, Mando and Miggs. It was great. Uh, by, by the way, the, um, the Imperial commander's name is Valen Hess. Valen Hess, okay. Yes, yes Well, you, you were close. But as yeah. getting back to your point about the TIE fighter, though, it was so odd as someone who's watched Star Wars my whole life to finally go, yeah, when the, when the TIE fighter <laughs> arrives. It's like, what are you doing to me? All these new emotions. What's happening? <laughs> uh, while we're on Bill Burr, I'd like to say, that as well as some good acting, some classic Bill Burr bigotry when he says, and when I, when I say you people, I do mean Mandalorians. <laughs> <laughs> That's quintessential Burr material right there. He had like the, the, the line of the episode, really. When they, they're on their way out and he gives him back his mask, and he says, I never saw your face. Mm. That's, that was such a great moment because it's his way of saying, I don't necessarily agree with your beliefs. I don't necessarily think it's the, the right way, but I'm willing to accept that's your way and I'm not going to let it be ruined because I know what you did. You, well, yeah. I know why you did what you did. You didn't yeah. want to do it, but you did it for a good reason. So as far as anyone else is concerned, your belief is still intact. He's got a rough sense of honor, old Migs, I reckon. So... Uh yeah, he's he's gone a long way towards uh towards redeeming himself this time around. Hell of a good shot as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, some some nerdy housekeeping that I have to do because it's just the mm-hmm. way I do things. The actor who played Valen Hess is a guy named Richard Brake. Sharp-eyed viewers may remember him from Batman Begins. He kills Bruce and Martha Wayne at the start of that one. Oh, he, okay, yeah. He's the Night King on uh, Game of Thrones, and if you're the aficionado of the. Uh, grimy horror movies of Rob Zombie you may have seen him in 31 and 3 from Hell he plays like skeezy kind of guys very well this this fellow Richard Brake he's um and I, I liked his performance in this very much as well you know sort of um I, he's not made yeah I mean he's one of these people or one of these characters Hess who you know clearly believes in what he's doing and to the uh, the show's credit I mean they give him not a persuasive argument, but one that you could see people falling for, you know, when he's sort of talking about, you know, people say they want freedom, but what they really want is order. It's like, that's not untrue, actually. No, I mean, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, some great uh, some great stuff there. A, a very hissable villain. And, uh, yeah, just one who really needed to catch one in the chest, which he did. So, fantastic. It, it reminds me of that, that boss who... Everyone on the floor loves to talk about behind their backs, but when he's around, they're so scared of him. They're like, oh, yeah. hello, sir, how was your day? Can I push your <laughs> shoes for you? <laughs> and not that we've ever worked for anyone like that. No, no, of course not. No, no. Um, so we're now, let's talk about Boba Fett. Doesn't appear too much in this episode, but once again gets his kick-ass moment where he sh- blows up those TIE fighters at the end. I was just like, yeah, as long as we get one of those moments every time Boba Fett's on the show, I don't mind. The finale is tonight. I just hope to God he doesn't die. I feel like he's going to, but I really hope he doesn't. I <laughs> know. Oh, there's a very impressive uh, ordnance and uh, munitions in Slave 1. I mean, that uh, whatever bomb they dropped, that compression bomb or whatever, that just boom. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Even though, I've got to say, Slave 1 looks like an iron. It looks like the kind of thing you yeah, iron your shirt with. I actually thought it was quite interesting last episode when we finally got an insight into it. Oh, no, actually, no, it was this one. It was, it was this one when they took off in the slave one you actually saw that how it manipulates itself when mm. you from the inside i was like that's how that thing works yeah <laughs> it's always been a really weird design it's like it's flat or it's like it's like facing up when he when he's like boarding it and then it sort of turns and he's like mm. standing up in it it's really bizarre but yeah we finally got to see all the uh all the cogs uh, maneuvering around to make sure that the uh, the ship can fly properly but we also need to talk uh, talk about fennec 
uh, and Cara Dune. So we do. I think it's very important that we acknowledge that The Mandalorian has given us two absolutely kick-ass female heroines. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, look, Gina Carano smacking chumps down is always high on my uh, on my wish list, and uh, this episode delivered that very well. And it's believable, too, because they picked an actress who can legitimately kick the shit out of men. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, Gina doesn't look like any stranger to sort of, um, yeah, throwing people's heads into the wall or something like that. She looks all too no, comfortable the, doing it. No, she's, um, she's very comfortable in the cage fighting, that's for sure. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, a good match with, uh, with Migna Wen. By the way, Migna Wen, who uh, plays Fennec Shan, she's 58 years old. Get the fuck out. 58? I, I, I'm going to double check that, but uh, I believe she is 58 years old. And Did you uh, just like age her 25 years? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she does not look anywhere close to 58. That's uh, what that's what I believe. Well, that's what I have what, what, read. What's it say online? What's, it, what's, what, what's her age? She is 57 years old. Yeah. Goodness gracious me. She does not look 57 years old. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, but a great team. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very happy with the, uh, the squad that, uh, that Mando's assembling here. I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, they're all good. And so let's, let's discuss the finale. So this episode ends with Mando with the awesome line, which was a play on Moff's message. Indeed. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a terrific ending. Sets up, uh, yeah, look, what I, I'm assume is going to be a thrilling and compelling climax, which I yeah, can't wait to watch. Um, what else? But a few other things to mention just about this episode before we sort of shut yeah, yeah, down yeah. for the evening. Um, if you've sat through the concept art that uh, is usually over the... Well, which I always, always do, over the yes. closing credits, yep. Sharp-eyed viewers may have thought, is that Poe Dameron from the, from the new sequels? You know, I didn't and notice that. Yeah, yeah, on um, on on a transport. I was like, that looks like Oscar Isaac who played Poe Dameron. What's going on there? And did a little research, and yeah, it turns out it was. But um, yeah, whether that's uh, whether the character is going to play into later storylines or anything like that. A tease for when he appears on this show to promote his own show. Yeah, that's what Quite you, know, you just know it's going to happen. You know that Mandalorian is now going to be the breeding ground for all these other shows, don't you? Oh God! Well, I think we've. Probably, you know, fans will have read about the um, the upcoming Disney stuff that uh, that was announced. I think earlier this week. Or was it forty uh, seven new shows they announced? I believe it was something like uh, two thousand and seven uh, <laughs> new, new shows. But uh, but uh, yeah, a Kenobi uh, and the Kenobi series, a movie called Rogue Squadron, uh, a Lando spin off. Uh, I think you were right. Uh, by the way, they are reco- they are filming Obi Wan show in Nicola's hometown of Boston in the UK. Yeah. It, not Bill Burr's town of Boston, but no. uh, but Nicola Dando's <laughs> hometown of Boston. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot. Uh, well, uh, clearly, a lot more uh, Star Wars spin-offs and such coming up. Um, I got to say, I mean, I think the, my first reaction when was like, oh, "That's too much Star Wars." It, it might have been the Simpsons, where it's like, "No, let's do it again and again and again and again and again and again." And I was like, oh, it "Might be a bit too much." I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but listening to a few podcasts about it, I mean, Disney's and uh, Lucasfilms and and the Star Wars kind of incorporated tactics seem to seems to have been, according to quote unquote those in the know, you know, they were taking meetings with a whole bunch of interesting creative people and saying. Have you got stories that you want to tell or, you know, are you interested in sort of entering the Star Wars universe and what kind of characters would you be involved in? Or if you've got a story that you want to tell, do you think there's any way you can, you can maybe fold it into something that we've got? So, I mean, I think they're attracting 
you know, quite talented and creative people. And they, I think they might be giving them a bit of latitude, not a whole lot, but a bit to sort of explore the Star Wars universe and tell different kinds of stories with uh, various kinds of characters. It's so, funny how if they announced all of these shows before Mandalorian came out, there would have been an uproar. Because I feel like a good portion of the Star Wars fan base... I wouldn't say they'd given up, but they've lost. They'd lost a little bit of faith in Disney's ability to deliver mm. what the what the overall Star Wars fans want. Um, though that that you look back now on those that sequel trilogy, and it's just it's something that not many fans I think will ever revisit, no, and it's, it's right. sort of left a bad taste in many people's mouths. And then we we got Solo, which people actually enjoyed. No, like yeah, we're going to cancel that. We're not doing any more solos. It's like that's the one thing we fucking liked. So I feel like that. <laughs> They played it well. They they didn't release too much. They t- they tried out Mandalorian. I, I honestly feel if Mandalorian didn't go too well, none of these shows would have been greenlit. They would have just gone, fuck it, pull the pin, let's try something fresh. But because yeah. Mando's been handled so well, it's like, now who do you put it, who do you put in charge of these other new shows? Do you know who they've, have they announced anybody yet? Because John Favreau's just, he's pretty yeah. much just shown, this is how you do a Star Wars show. Who do they give the, who do they give the power to next? And, and can you trust them to do the same thing that Favreau's been able to achieve with this show? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, it would be easy to say that, oh, yeah, they've cracked the formula now with Mandalorian and all that. It's not so much a formula as the people, you know, as, as the chef. It's not the recipe so much as the chef. So Because um, they, have, they have to be different. They can't just be Mandalorian 2.0. They've got to be their own show. And it's like, I don't know, they're, they're treading on dangerous. Because they've announced everything now, it's like they kind of have to deliver it now. And if the next show's no good, it's like, Ugh, then what happens? Yeah, so look, Fingers crossed, but I mean, honestly, I'm not saying that Star Wars fans and and people like you and I have got short memories when it comes to things like this, but I mean, yeah, I think after Rise of Skywalker was released and not tanked, but, you know, left a lot of sort of sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. It was just, it just, uh, so many people were indifferent for it because Last Last Jedi was what left the bad taste. And as a result, Rise of Skywalker, everyone was just like, yeah. Whatever. I don't really care <laughs> yeah. anymore. All right. But, uh, but then after, the, you know, I think that left a lot of people thinking, eh, yeah, we can do that Star Wars for a while. Hmm. Then Mando comes back and shows the potential and the possibility of this kind of storytelling and in this kind of universe. And, um, yeah, I think it reignited a lot of people's interest and a lot of people's um, desire to see more. So, yeah. I don't know. It's made me excited to be a Star Wars fan again, for sure. And the the fact that they've been able to, as we've mentioned time and time again on the podcast, incorporate older elements of Star Wars. Like the fact that it's, you know you go to Tatooine and mm. you have Ahsoka come in with with some Jedi shit, and you, you just know you know that this Jedi that's going to come and help Yoda, or Yodito, I should say. Mm. Uh, my, I, I'm just ninety percent sure it's going to be Mike Hamill. It, it can't be anybody else. It, it, uh, I'm, I'm 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 building myself up for a letdown, I'm sure, but. <laughs> Man, just give us that kick-ass Luke Skywalker moment that the the sequels didn't give to us. Just please do it. You gave us Boba Fett. Give us Luke Skywalker. Please, please, please do it in the finale. But in this finale, Mr. Davis, what are you expecting? Are we going to get another IG-11 sacrifice uh, sacrifice moment with, say, Boba Fett or something, where a a fan that we, uh, a character that we have grown to love uh, in the in the short space of time, sacrifices themselves so that little Yodito uh, can finally find his Mm. home? Here's actually another question for you before you answer that. Is Yodito actually worth it? Oh. Like, well, is think- it, it... All these people are risking their lives for little Yodito. Why? Well, we've, se- we've seen the power the little guy can wield It's just a, as just a little one. 
So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that, but like, I don't know, it just seems strange I, that, I don't know. I think it's important to, to, lives, but. I think it's important to channel that power in the right direction, you know. I mean, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's definitely worth uh, Mando and his, and his team to, uh, yeah, sort of help provide that right direction or, or at least, you know, steer, him, steer your data into someone who can steer him in the right direction. Well, I guess they also don't want those abilities in the hands of the Empire as well. There's that too, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what, what, do you, what do you see happening in the finale? Oh, I know you don't like to do predictions, but what, just give us one. One Guy Davis <laughs> suggestion. Oh, I think there's going to have to be like a, just a throwdown between uh, between Mando and uh, and Moff Gideon for certain. Uh, you're you reckon, right about you reckon the dark saber versus the uh, I think yeah, yeah. Stuff or whatever. yeah. <laughs> yeah be very keen to see how that turns out. So, um, but honestly, let's just wrap this up so we can go watch the episode. Come on, come on, man. Okay, cool. Alrighty, alrighty. Well, Mr. Davis is tired. He wants to go watch the episode. So, thank you for listening, guys, to Chapter 15 of Take a Look at Mandalorian. We're going to go watch the finale right now. So, stay tuned for that. It's going to be up very, very shortly. Thank you once again for listening. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Let's go. 